just glad, I guess, to see you guys here, those of you who are made the trek out and uh, uh, enjoying the summer morning with us. Thank you for, for being a part of it. It's better because you're here for uh, in all kinds of ways. It'd just be awkward for me to speak to an empty room, for one, but also, you know, for you to be encouraging to one another, is, uh, is it's, it's great. We are better because you're here, so thank you for being here this morning. And for those listening online, um, we're glad that you're checking it out as well, uh, if we even put this one online. I don't know. So as we jump in this morning, I have to start with this disclaimer that this is not a good sermon. <laughs> it just, it's just not. It's not like concise. It's not in point form. It's not necessarily like, wow, that was really easy to follow. It's just some thoughts. Uh, and so um, maybe this morning you're like, hey, I want my money back. We, 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 we'll send the offering around again. Let's see what I can take this time. Um, I just want to share some thoughts that, that God's kind of just been, I don't know, they're just here and they're here. And uh, I, I hope for, for you this morning that as, as I share kind of what's going on here, that maybe, maybe he'll speak to, to your heart as well. Uh, last week, there's baptisms uh, right here uh, in, the, in the cattle trough. If you missed it, you, it's better to, to, to witness it than just to hear about it. But it was really incredible, eh? Yeah, it really was. The stories were incredible, and there was some uh, Saturday night, uh, Janet got baptized, Sunday morning, Kristen and, and Ashley got baptized, and it was just really cool to see and hear what God is really doing in people's lives. I, I love that. There's going to be more baptisms coming up. Maybe it's you, actually. If you haven't been baptized yet, and you're like, you know, I, uh, I haven't taken the step of following Jesus in water baptism, but I, be- I believe in him. I want to be his follower. Come talk to me. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation to, to chat with you more about it. But what I loved in hearing the stories the last couple of weeks was just seeing how God did it, how God affected the people's lives, how God affected Kristen and how God affected Ashley and Janet. And uh, you know what I found? In all of their stories, it wasn't like here were some people and out, out of nowhere, all of a sudden God shows up and is like, he just like this, this burning bush or this like struck by lightning or there was this, this, this one moment that was like, oh, it was God. It was, it, none of them had that in their story. What they had was that there was all these people involved in their story. All these other people were involved in their story, and I want to talk about that this morning because really, it really struck me. Ashley's story last week, for, for those of you who um, weren't here, it'll be online uh, next week. Um, Chris was on vacation, still is, so he'll be posting it, but I really, really encourage you to listen to their stories. You can just click on Ashley's story, Kristen's story, or Janet's story, uh, just to listen to, to all of them. It's, it's incredible, but Ashley's story um, last week, for those who were here and those, um, for, for those who weren't, Ashley just shared about her life and how much uh, hurt and pain she went through. By the age of 14, she had gone through more trauma than most people could handle in a couple lifetimes, and she was just starting out life, and it was difficult. Uh, and as she got to a place, there was, this, there was this moment where she was working in a restaurant, and this guy named Josh shows up. Uh, later became her husband, but Josh was this guy who, uh, you know, he, he was interested in her, and, and she said he would invite her to church. Here's, jo- here's Ashley's story, and there's Josh inviting her to come to church, and she's like, no, I don't believe in that stuff. You know, I'm, I, I'm not a church person. Like, I, I don't do that, and if you're here this morning and you're not a church person, we're super glad you're here because we're not church people either. Uh, we're, just, we're just glad to, be, uh, to have you with us, but she came through the doors, and she said, okay, fine, fine, I'll go. If it's what you think, if what you say it is, I'll, I'll check this out, and so she, she uh, came, and she said, when I got to the door, she says, it was, I was welcomed by these people with like this super happy personalities. Like, I wasn't ready for that. Then she's like, they gave me this pamphlet. I don't know what that was for. So we stopped doing that. And then she came in and she uh, sat in the, 
she sat in the back, um, and she sat in the back, and uh, she said, but the people around her, like, they'd come and ask her, hey, how are you doing? She's like, and I actually believe that they meant it. They wondered how I was doing. And then she says, and then they, the songs just spoke to me. And then she said, and then the speakers at the front were challenging and encouraging to me. And then there was this guy named Mike who, who later became her father-in-law. Uh, as they were, um, as she was like over time had been listening to, uh, to messages coming out a little bit. He said, you know what? He said, there's this song that I want you to go home and listen to. It's called, uh, He Ain't the Leaving Kind. And there's this guy named Gary Lavox of Rascal Flats was another guy who played a part in her life. And like, I just could not believe that. Like God could use country music is just, <laughs> that's borderline miraculous. Like that song's title isn't even grammatically correct. Who you, it's redneck lyrics. And yet here's God speaks to Ashley's heart through this song. And it was that song, that moment. But it was all these people that just crossed her path and led her to that moment where she gave her life to Christ. And if you heard her story last week, her life's changed. She is no longer who she once was, and it is powerful. And at the end of her story, she thanked you guys. She thanked Kingsway. She, she said this. I didn't ask her permission, so don't tell her, but she told people, so here we go. She said this. I'm especially appreciative today to stand here and tell you that you, Kingsway, you played a part in why I'm standing here today. You were some of the subtle signs that I had prayed for and received from God. I had several of you who were so kind to me. Some of you sought me out to offer words of encouragement and to invite me to join a study. When some of you asked me how I was, I knew it was genuine. I was invited to some of your homes, and you treated me so kindly there. I met my first Christian friend, Alicia, who I know God put in my life. And I'm grateful for her presence and the value she brings to myself and to my children's lives. Coming to Kingsway for me was like coming to a family of people who look after one another and enjoy and rejoice in the Lord. Church has everything to do with the people in it. You made me want to come back. I can't begin to thank the people of this church enough for what you did for me. You helped bring me closer to salvation. The only thing I can say is that the power of fellowship is absolutely strong, and it 100% makes a difference to any new person coming through that door. I only hope to give to someone what you all gave to me. Yeah, wow is right. You know, what a powerful thought. You know, and I, I don't want us to forget that. I don't want us to forget that moment of what it feels like for someone to come into that, that door and how different people played a part. After, it was, after the service was over, one of the people who had been in our church for a long time came and was like, I had no idea that was her story. You know, had I known like two years ago, I would have said, hey, let me pray for you. And, uh, but he, he never had had the opportunity because he never actually got a chance to meet her or hear the story. And so Paul Paul was a guy who wrote, um, uh, he wrote a bunch of the New Testament letters. He was a guy who hated Christians. Uh, when the very first Christians were around, he hated them, tried to kill them all. Uh, that didn't work, so he became one. And uh, then he decided to try and build the church and make, it, make, it, um, make uh, more followers. And so he writes letters to these new Jesus followers. He writes to these, this group of Jesus followers who's living in a place called Corinth, which is in Greece. And he writes them a letter, and, and he, in his letter he says, I hear you guys have been fighting. You've been fighting about, like, who your favorite pastor is. And he's like, that, that just doesn't make sense. It's, um, and maybe some of you go through the same things. You know, you, you like one past, pastor or one online thing or, or one guest speaker that we have better than another. And, and these guys are like, hey, you know, that's, that's kind of what they were all fighting about. And, and uh, 
And so the, the, Paul writes them, and he says, you know what, that, 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 that's, there's something wrong with that. And so here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 3. And as he's writing this, he lets us in on something that's uh, extremely interesting that I want to focus on today. He says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, he says, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos anyway? And who's Paul? And Paul's the one writing it. But he says, you know, we're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. He says, each of us. Each of us did what the Lord gave us. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted seeds in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. I planted seeds in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. God was at work in us crossing paths with your life. They're like, you know, the, some are saying, Paul, Paul's the best. He's the one who first came here. And they're like, these guys are like, yeah, but Paul's gone. Apollos is now the best. And he's like, yeah, but Paul might come back. And then Paul's going to be the best. And he's like, you know what? Don't worry about who's doing what as far as inspiring your lives. He's just realized, realized that God is at work. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. In verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters, they work together with the same purpose. Both of them will be rewarded for their hard work. But the idea is that God is at work. One plants, one waters. My kids, um, they're planting gardens out in the back, uh, in our backyard. They took these pots and they put seeds in there. And it's super exciting to plant seeds. And the next day they run out and they're like, what? There's nothing. And then the next day they run out and, you know, the sunflowers had already started and they could see it. And it was great. Lincoln was super excited about it. And then... uh, then after watching them kind of just grow just a little bit taller, they still look the same all the time. There's no sunflower head. So we moved them to the front yard, and, and then uh, the one day I came home, and they were like, it was brown leaves all the way up, just a little bit of green left at the top. I'm like, Link, you probably should go out and water your, you know, your sunflowers. He's like, oh, do I have to? I'm like, no, you don't have to. You can just let them die, you plant murderer. You know? And he's like, he, uh, he looks at me, and he's like, okay, can I do it tomorrow? And I was like, well, that's what you said yesterday and, and the day before. And then Max, of course, Max is like the super bubbly, I'll, I'll do anything. He just runs, Dad, I'll do it, I'll do it. And he starts running up the stairs. And then, of course, you know, when one kid realizes the other kid's going to do something, Link's like, no, get back here, I'm going to do it. And they run out there. Well, this kind of goes on for days. And every day, a different kid is watering these plants. And, you know, we're probably going to move before they actually ever have a flower on the top. Uh, but they each are taking their parts. But you know what's really interesting? The ones that we see, the flowers that we see, you realize it doesn't matter who plants, it doesn't matter who waters, it's, it's God who's making them grow. And there's some incredible beauty in the other, other flowers that have all be, begun. And, and Paul's not giving them a horticulture lesson. He's saying, hey, the people around you, there's incredible beauty around you. Some people might be the ones first reaching out. Some people might be doing something else. But he says, but God is at work. God's the one making it beautiful. A couple of weeks ago, I heard someone reference the 10-second rule. They had said, hey, you know, I, was, I, I, was the, I did the 10-second rule. And how many of you know what the 10-second rule is? There's a few of you. You know, it's really, it's really, really interesting. We talked about the 10-second rule here um, a, a while back, and it was one of those thoughts that stuck. You know, it's, it's, and so I looked it up to see, when did we talk about this 10-second rule? It was six years ago. Six, I know. And there's people who's like, yeah, I still remember the 10-second rule from six years ago. And I'm like, people don't remember stuff I talk about six minutes after most services. How do they, how do they remember this six years ago? But there was something powerful about that. Most of you know the five-second rule. You know, if something falls on the ground, you can eat it within five seconds. And I found this clever thing. I was like, I wonder if the germs know that, right? You know, hey, germs, hold on. You can't touch the food for five seconds. That's kind of cute. But, but the 10-second rule, the 10-second rule, uh, my, my question, what can you do in 10 seconds? What can you do in 10 seconds? Uh, 
Usain Bolt can run 100 meters in less than 10 seconds. That's pretty impressive. I, I can't do that. Can you? You know, what can you do in 10 seconds? There's a guy named Tom Sapola of Norway. He can click a mouse button 402 times in 10 seconds. I know, that's almost more impressive than running 100 meters. <laughs> can you do that? Some, some of you are like, uh, who counts? I don't know. And then there's Patrick Ponce. Patrick Ponce is from the States. He can solve two Rubik's Cubes in less than 10 seconds. I, I know. Like, some of you can't solve one, you know? Like, that's impressive. What can you do in 10 seconds? Maybe something even more powerful than that. The 10-second rule, it's not really a rule. It's just a clever thought. He says this. Um, Claire de Graff wrote this. And he says, it, just do, his whole thought of this book was just do the next thing that you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do. If, the, if, you, if you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do something, he's like, I'm challenging you to do that in the 10 seconds with, uh, uh, after you've felt or heard it. If you think, hey, this is what Jesus wants me to do, don't wait. Do it in the next 10 seconds, even if you don't know why. Uh, and it's, it's this thought of like, how do I know what Jesus wants me to do? Yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but how do I know what, what Jesus wants me to do? There's uh, Matthew, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was uh, an eyewitness follower of Jesus. So when Jesus said, hey, we're going to go here, come follow me. He's like, okay, let's just follow him. There he's going. He's like, hey, we're going to go there, come follow me. He's like, okay, we can follow him because we see where he's going. But Matthew, Matthew writes um, to, uh, to just about how he was following Jesus around these different towns in, in Galilee. And there's this conversation that uh, Jesus has with, with the disciples and a bunch of other people. And Matthew's there, and he writes it down, which is good for us. Matthew chapter 11, this is, what, uh, this is what it says, verse 28. So Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You're like, oh, okay, what does that mean? I remember when I was a kid, I had never understood what, what yoke was. My dad would always tell those dad jokes, and in the end, be like, yeah, the yoke's on you. <laughs> right? Like, anyways, I told you, it's not a good sermon. Um, but a yoke, for those who are agricultural understanding, you understand what a yoke is. It was used on oxen to keep two oxen walking in line together. It's how they often trained younger oxen to, to pull their weight. But it, was, uh, it can feel like a heavy weight for them. But the stronger one drags the weaker one around. Like that's This idea is that the one is going to come in line with the other one, whether it likes it or not. And if you try and go the opposite way, it, it, it's painful. And so what they would say back in the day, there was, they, they would call the yoke. They'd often refer to the yoke uh, as the teachings of a teacher or the teachings of a rabbi. So it would be like, follow my teachings. And, and for some, those were difficult, difficult um, teachings. And where Jesus was talking to people, they were, like, they were surrounded by rules like crazy, and it was difficult. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, in the message, it says it this way. He was saying to them, are you tired? Same verses, but he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Does like religion and faith feel like, oh, this heaviness is like, oh, I got to get up. It's 920. I got to get there. I got to get there for 930. They'll have free coffee. Just got to get there. You know, or is it like, you know, living, living out your faith is like there's something light and exciting about it. Well, Jesus says, you know what? Yeah, you can feel burned out on religion. You can feel like, oh, why am I doing this? And he said this. He says, you know what? If that's you, if that's how you feel, he says, you know, why don't you come to me? Come follow me. Come get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. That's that idea of wear that yoke. Walk with me. 
You know, work with me. Watch how I do it. You see all the me's and the eyes? He's like, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Just learn how to walk the way I walk. Just walk with me. And he says, I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Live freely and lightly. Man, that's like utopian thoughts. Of like, how, <laughs> I wish I could just live my life, no stresses, no nothing. I'm just living freely and lightly. It, that, would be, that would be great. And Jesus is saying, hey, the key to that is you just need to walk with me. I, I'm not here to... to um, you know, bring more heavy religion on you. He was talking with somebody this week, and they thought Jesus started another religion, new rules and stuff. He's like, he's one commandment. It's like, just love people. He says, I'm not here to bring all kinds of heavy rules and, uh, and more commands on you. They already had 613. Like, that's a heavy beast to be yoked to. Saying, here, try and keep all of these rules. He didn't come to start another religion of people saying, if I do this, if I do this, I can kind of get closer to God. He's like, you'll never get closer to God on your own. So I'm just going to come close to you. I'm just going to come close to you. And he came and said, you know what? I don't want you to follow more rules just for the sake of following rules. I, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I, I want you to be aware of my presence in your life. I want you to listen for, for my voice, my promptings, and, and to follow that. You know, relationships are not built on routines. They might have routines, but that's not the foundation. When you got married, you weren't like, oh, she's hot. I'll see if she'll keep all my rules. Hey, want to marry me? You didn't do that, did you, Andrew? No. No, that's not how it works. There's something exciting about being married and about being in a relationship. Like, for instance, if you had date night, and we'll just we'll pick one of my, well, made up dates. So if I come home and I'm like, hey, Beth, you know, I walk in the door. I got a red rose, and I hand it to her and say, hey, babe. Want to go out tonight? And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I got a whole lot more where this came from. You know, there's, a, there's a, another couple dozen waiting, but here, take this one rose. And, and I said, yeah, now go, go to your room and uh, get that new dress that I bought you. She's like, new dress? You, yeah, it's hanging in the closet. Whoa, runs over. Try, uh, this is totally fictional because I would never know what to buy. But gets the new dress, right? And so she wears the new dress and, and then comes out. And, and there I'm standing with her. I said, you know what? You look awesome, hon, but you would look even better with these brand new earrings here. Wear these. And so she puts on these brand new earrings. And we're like, we go out and we're like, yeah, we're not taking the Honda or the minivan. Just wait one minute and all of a sudden a limo pulls up, right? And I'm like, come on, babe, let's go. So we get in, we go out, we go for, to the keg for dinner. And then, you know, we, t- we have conversation across the table. There's no cell phones. And then, and then we go out to the, to the movies after, and we watch a chick flick, and I stay awake the whole time. And then we, then we go to Starbucks after and have, you know, the caramel macchiatos with extra caramel. And we get back in the vehicle, and we, we go all the way home, and she comes home to a room full of roses. And no, the kids, I say, I'll put the kids to bed. You, you know, whatever. You just wait for me. Whatever, right? Don't tell her I said all that. You know, that'd be like, that'd be like pretty epic. I don't, how many of your husbands have done that recently? Okay, so I just gave him some good tips, right? So, but, but, but picture that, right? And it's like, yeah, that's, that's like, the, that's what I dream like marriage is going to be like, two of us enjoying life together. What happens if next, next date night I drive up and I'm like, I come home, hey, honey, I walk in the door, I'm like, hey, I got a rose for you. And she's like, oh, sweet, again. I'm like, yeah, and I got a couple dozen more waiting for you somewhere. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, hey, hey, go get that new dress that I bought. You bought me another dress? Yeah, go. And she goes and gets the dress. And I'm like, oh, guess what? You, you look great, honey, but you'd look better if you wore these earrings. And I'll go, okay, I'll put on the earrings. All right, come on, let's go. You know, we're not taking the Honda or the van. Just wait, guess what's coming? 
Let me guess, a limo? Ding, right, there's the limo. We hop in, we go to the keg, we have the same meal, we go to the same movie, I still stay awake. We go to the next uh, um, Starbucks after, we have the same macchiatos, and then we go home, and it's like the same, the same. And then next week, the date night, I arrive after work. Hey, hey, hon, check out the rose I got you. How do you think she's going to feel? Yeah, because that's not how relationships work. There's this thing of saying it, being fresh and exciting, but how many of you, that's your relationship with the Lord? Show up Sunday morning, walk in, sing four songs. Oh, wait, listen to the announcements, then sing four songs. You know, then listen to Mark talk. Hopefully it's short. Hopefully it's funny. Then I get to go home, and we'll do it all again next week. That's not what this was meant to be. He was saying, I want relationship with you. I want you to live this life. He says, you know what? I don't want you to try and get good with me, work really hard keeping rules. I took care of all of that. What I want right now is to to do life with you. And Paul later on wrote to them and said, you know, the believers were like, how do I do that? Like, it was easy to follow Jesus when he's here, and then he's gone. Now how do I follow him? How How do we follow him? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, the same uh, verse near where Brian was reading this morning. He said to this, verse 16, he says, I say, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. He says, then you won't do what your sinful nature craves, but you'll live this life with me. That same idea was keep in step with Holy Spirit. Just keep in step with him. The same idea of that, that yoke of knowing, hey, Holy Spirit, God's presence in my life. Am I aware of that this morning? Am I aware of that today? And what, what are you leading me into? See, Holy Spirit does a bunch of things. He leads us into truth. He's never going to tell you something that's not true or that's not in God's word. He's going to prompt you with things here. He'll, he'll remind you of his word that you've read or that you've heard. I don't know if you've ever had that. I had that the other night. I'm laying in my bed and I'm stressing about some stuff for my house. I'm just laying there like, oh, it's four in the morning. Just go to sleep, go to sleep. I can't. And all of a sudden this verse comes into my head. Hey, Mark, be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and supplication, whatever that is, lay your praise let your, let, your prayer, let your requests be made known to God, and the God of peace passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm like, where did, that, where did I hear that before? It's like, you preached that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it's like, just listening there, realizing, I don't need to stress over this stuff. What did he do? He just reminded me of his word. He does it all the time. You see Jesus in the, in the, in the desert when the Satan, Satan himself is attacking Jesus. I know some of you feel like that, but Satan's not attacking all of you. It's got his little minions and whatever. But this is like the devil himself attacking Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, Scripture says this, Scripture says this. It was all from the same Scripture in Deuteronomy, just coming back to his uh, memory. That's listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit will warn you of things you shouldn't do. Sometimes that's a conscience, and other times it's like direction stuff. You're like, wow, she's so high. It's like, don't do it. Don't date her. Usually it's the other way around. Don't date him. I know. I know he, but don't. The rest of his girlfriends will tell you, don't date him. You can get those promptings sometimes on the inside of, um, uh, and just direction for your life. You know, Paul was saying, you know, I'm going to go preach in Asia. It's a good idea. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, don't go to Asia. He's like, what do you mean? I'm supposed to go and preach. He's like, I know, but not there. I want you to go here. And he goes to a different spot. And amazing things happen. You know, he'll give you impressions in your everyday life, just thoughts. So you like come to cross and like, oh, I wonder where that came from. That's what the idea of the 10-second rule is, huh, that might be him. And I'm willing to take a chance that 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 might be him, that if I'm reasonably certain that that's his voice in my life, I'm going to do that. See, a lot of us, when we think, you know, God spoke to me, we think like this megaphone, (laughs) tension, Walmart shoppers. It's going to sound like that, right? Like, hey, Brody, this is what I want you to do. Or, hey, Mark, because there's a whole bunch of you here, this is what I want you to do. You it doesn't happen like that. 
It's this still small promptings that happen all the time. And whether we're listening to them or not is what, it, is what matters. In, in Acts chapter 15, they were trying to plan, hey, what do we, how do we start the church? And, and they, they came up with some stuff and they said, it seemed good to us and it seemed good to Holy Spirit. Like, it seemed good. It wasn't even like there was this, this voice from above. It was just like, it just seems good right here. This seems to be Holy Spirit. I think this is him. And maybe you'll have it. You know, sometimes you have that thought of like, why am I thinking about that person all the time? You know, just to pray for them. Or maybe it's a thought of texting someone. You feel like I should text somebody. Or maybe it's a thought I should give money to that person. That's usually the Lord because you usually don't want to do that. Right? It's those thoughts of maybe I could, maybe I could. Claire de Graff calls it the 10-second rule. He says, just do the next thing you're reasonably certain that Jesus would want you to do. And do it in the next 10 seconds even if you don't understand why. I just have to put this disclaimer on that. That's for things that are like, they're not major decisions. So if you're like, hey, I should get married to that person, that's not a 10-second rule thing. Um, I'm going to sell my house or adopt a child or sell a child, whatever it is. None of that stuff is, like, these are not the things you do in the next 10 seconds. It's, you can think about the 10-10-10 principle, which is like, this decision, how will it affect me or somebody else in the next 10 minutes, next 10 months, next 10 years? But it's those 10-minute ones. You know, this week that happened to me. I was driving down the road, and I saw this kid. On the, I think he's a kid. He's younger. I saw him on the side of the road uh, hitchhiking. And I normally don't pick up hitchhikers, and I'm, so I'm just driving. I'm just going to go right on by, and all of a sudden I get this prompting, pick him up. I'm like, okay. And so I pull over, and I pull over quite a ways over, and, and so I see him running, and I back up, try not to hit him. He jumps in, and I, I met a cool guy named Isaac. And so Isaac and I, we, we, he's like, hey, can you drive me to where I'm staying? I'm like, yeah. And so we start talking. I'm like, hey, you know, like, uh, where are you from? And he tells me where he's from. And he's like, I told him, hey, you know, I'm from around this area. I'm from a church. I'm like, you want to come? And he's like, uh, I think so. I think I might. And so I was like, okay. And usually that means, no, I'm never going to go. Uh, and so I, uh, <laughs> I was like, it's okay. I just, I don't know what that is, but that's uh, all right. And so the next day I get a phone call. Hey, can you come uh, to, to where I'm staying? I was like, yeah. So I go there. I can't find him, but I meet this girl named Michelle who's staying there as well. And then I meet uh, this, her son, uh, Josh, and I meet this other person named Chris, and, and then I meet this girl, la- lady named Lisa, and I'm like, she's like, hey, can, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, I have some errands to run, but I'll be back, and, and then I can. So I came back, and I didn't find Isaac, but I was there, and I was talking to this girl named Lisa, and she just told me her whole story, and at the end, I just had a chance to pray with her. And then I left. Then, then the next day I got a phone call and I heard there was a birthday party happening there or there was a birthday of one of the guests at this place where they're staying. And I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. I'm going to stop by. You know, I'm going to go buy a birthday cake. I'm just going to go buy a cake, buy the stuff, and I'm just going to go and drop it off and let them have a party there at the, at the place where they're staying. And, and so uh, I went and did that. And as I got there, dropped off the cake. And uh, then I heard these words, like the, one of the p- people was saying, oh, man, I, I just got, I need a ride to Simcoe. And I'm like, I'm going to Simcoe. And they're like, oh, could you give me a ride? I'm like, yes, I can give you a ride to Simcoe. And they're like, I have friends who want to go too. I'm like, okay, so hop in. And we, we, we drive to Simcoe. And I got to meet these two people, Shane and another, another gal. And we started talking, just sharing their story. And I got to tell them about the, we talked about life and about the Lord and about God and about church. And, and uh, I, it was pretty crazy um, how all that just happened. I was like, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what, you know what God's doing, but he said, Mark, I'm not just working in your life. You're always so concerned about what's God doing in my life. He's like, I'm trying to work in the lives around you, through you. you know, and that's that whole idea of how can we just simply show um, uh, people God's love. And uh, it's pretty great because Isaac came this morning. Uh, and uh, I know, back row, love it. He brought, you know, three of his friends were here last night. I'm like, 
It's kind of crazy. And when I dropped off the cake, the, 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 one, the, the one lady who took the cake from me said, wow, you're so amazing. I'm like, you don't know me. I am not amazing. You know, <laughs> with, amen. Yes, with... Without Christ, I was like, I told him, without Christ in my life, I'm a piece of work. I am like, I, I'm just, it's, if there's anything good, it's him. And you know what? He's the reason why I'm here because I just felt like he's prompting me to show you guys that, that he loves you. You know what I realized? It just energized me. I'm like, I was late. I didn't have time to pick up that, uh, that I'm going to call him a kid. I didn't have time to pick Isaac up that day. I was late, and yet afterwards, I'm like, you know, I was so energized by that, that moment. And I thought about Jesus sitting at the well, talking to the woman at the well. We've told the story so many times. He's so hungry, he can't even walk to town. Um, Jesus can't. And he's sitting there, and then he meets this woman, talks to this woman, uh, ministers to her. The disciples come back, and they're like, hey, Jesus, we brought you food. And he's like, I don't need it anymore. Why? Because he's just lit up on the inside. Why? Because uh, it's like my whole week has been like that. has been like light and just like, wow, you know what? It's just, it's just been cool. Just to take moments to show people his love, it, I don't know what it does for them, but it's definitely energizing uh, as well for me. And you know what that is? That's watering. That's planting seeds. That's like, it doesn't matter who does what. It's God at work. Watching God, I believe God's at work in all those people at the Star Motel. I mean, they're the all-star team to me. Those are people that God is working in their, in their lives, through my life, through other lives, and then passing it on and passing it forward. You know, sometimes we sit there and we think, what could I do? Like, I, I, I can't solve all of the problems that I'm hearing about. I can't solve all the things. I can't help everyone. So what can I possibly do? And for a lot of times, that's, our, that's kind of our excuse that I won't, won't do anything. I was talking with a friend of mine about Haiti this week. And in Haiti, it's really difficult. And there was a, a guy, a businessman from from Niagara, he wanted to do something big in Haiti. So I want to I see Haiti, the whole country change. He says, I want to start businesses there. So he bought 40 acres on the coast, right near the port, built a, a massive facility there, was having steel shipped in, and they were going to work on the steel and then ship it out. And he's like, I sent truckloads of tools down. I sent trucks down. He's like, first the tools get stolen, then the truck gets stolen, then the steel's going missing, then people aren't showing up for work. He's like, everything went wrong. And he's like, I just gave up. And he's saying, you know, there's no, there's no point. There's, we cannot change Haiti. And he just pulled out completely. And then as we were talking, my brother and I were talking about it, we were like, you know, we had just been in Haiti, and we met a guy named Ricardo, who's just one person, whose life has been so changed, and he's on a mission to change his town. Then I met a young kid named Wiskenzi. Wiskenzi was uh, on the streets, no family, but now he's in an, in a, an orphanage called Tai Too, and he's like, man, he's the happiest kid you'd ever hope to meet with a future. I thought about the one kids that, that this church is helping, our kids downstairs are raising money for artiste and um, this, other, this other person's name, who, or Louis Darlene, uh, just helping to make a difference in one person's life and thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we're not going to change huge amounts, but, but planting seeds and somebody watering and somebody working together can change the life of one. You know, there's a, there's a, um, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't matter who's watering, who's planting. It's God who's at work. You know, there's a quote that's attributed to Mother Teresa we don't know if she said it, but it's good. It says this, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. You know, that's kind of the question this morning. What, what, what can you do in 10 seconds? Maybe it's not one of those exciting things, but you could change a life in 10 seconds. 
You know, it's not doing it so we look good. It's not doing it so people go and say, wow, Mark, you're awesome, because I know that that's not true. It's so that people see him. It's that people see that God cares about people. It's that they might see Jesus. I found this quote. It says this, the early church was, in fact, so radical in its love and lifestyle that within a few centuries, millions of people became followers of Jesus. The kingdom of God spread like wildfire, not because Christians had some great plan or that they carefully thought out a strategy, but because they simply followed Jesus' commands. The people around them found Jesus and his radical love shown by his followers to be irresistible. They just simply followed Jesus. When they felt the promptings of Holy Spirit in their life, they just lived that out. So my question is, what about you? Does faith feel like some like heavy yoke, heavy, like, oh, it's just this thing that, I, thing that I do? Or is it life? Is it this relationship with Jesus that is giving you life and others' life around you? You know, what's the next thing that you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do? Because you might be planting. You might be watering. You might be affecting someone else's life. It's God at work through you. You know, you may only have 10 seconds to show them. You may only have 10 seconds to show them. But man, it could be changing a life. I want to ask our ushers to get the communion stuff ready. We're going to take communion this morning. As they do that, I want to just leave you with one story. You got time for one more story? If you said no, I'm going to tell it anyway. So uh, just uh, a thought. Um, There's a guy named Tony Campolo. He shares some things. I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says, but he told this story. Uh, it's a true story, and it's something that I thought is really, really powerful. Well, Tony um, speaks all over the world. He was speaking in Hawaii uh, for, for an event, and uh, the time change was just messing with him. So he got to Hawaii, and he wakes up at three in the morning, and he's like, oh, I need breakfast. And so he goes out and walking the streets, and he's like, nothing's open except for this little, like, greasy spoon diner. He's like, oh, it looks sketch, but I'm going to go in. He goes in, and he, it was sketch. And so he, he sees it, and he, he walks to, to a seat. And then uh, as he's sitting there, this, um, the, the cook behind the counter says, comes up, and he's got grease all over. And he says he's, he's a little overweight, big greasy guy. And he's like, so what are you having? He's like, he looked around, he saw, he says, well, the donuts looked like they were covered. So he's like, I'll have a donut and a coffee. And so they give the donut and the coffee, and uh, Tony's sitting there, he's like sipping this coffee and the donut, and he says, all of a sudden, he says, all of a sudden, um, the door opens and a whole bunch of women of the night walk in. A whole bunch of prostitutes, they're just finished work, they're loud and ruckus, and they all walk into the diner, and they sit down at the tables, and uh, and they order their breakfast and whatever else. And, and uh, as they're sitting there, he, uh, he's like, oh, this is weird. Here's a preacher sitting in a thing full, surrounded by prostitutes. He's like, he says, felt a little bit, just felt a little bit uh, awkward. And as, he's, as he sat there, he heard them, he heard the one talking to the other. And she said, hey, guess what? Tomorrow's my birthday. You know, I'm going to be 29. And, and uh, the other one looked back at her and says, so? What do you want? You want a birthday cake? You want me just to throw you a party? And she's like, no, no. She's like, no, I've never had a, I've never had a party in my life. I'm not, I'm not asking for a party. I was just telling you that, you know, that it was my birthday. Like, big whoop, right? And then the other's like, why are you got to be so mean to her? And, and they all start getting in this little, this argument. And they get this, after their cat fight, they all leave. And it's just Tony again. And he looks over to the, to the cook and he says, they, they come in here every night? He's like, yep, every night. That's why we're open. He's like, Did the, does that one girl come in here every night? 
He's like, which one? Well, the one who said it was her birthday tomorrow. It's like, yep, she's here every night. That's Agnes. He's like, he said, could we, could we like throw a birthday party for her here tomorrow? And the cook looks at him with this strange look like, that has never been asked before. <laughs> he yells to his wife in the kitchen, honey, some guy out here wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow. What do you think? She comes out. She's like, wow. You know, Agnes is, she's just a really sweet woman. She actually really tries to help a lot of people. No one's ever done anything nice for her. No one does anything nice for her. He's like, you know what? This is a great idea. Let's do this. And so they start planning. There they are, 3.30 in the morning. Tony's like, I'll bring the decorations. Harry's like, I'll bake the cake. Tony's like, I'm not eating any of it, right? And then he's like, he's like okay, but you guys do that, and I'll do this. And he says, I'll see you here at 2.30 in the morning tomorrow. I'm like, all right. So they all go, and 2.30 the next morning, here comes Tony with all his decorations, and he gets in there, and he's like, it's full already. There's prostitutes all over the place in there. He's like, he gets them to help. They set up all the decorations. They got a big sign that says, happy birthday, Agnes. They got the big cake. Harry did a good job on it. And then uh, as they're waiting there, they're sitting around. All of a sudden, you know, 3 o'clock comes, and there comes Agnes through the door. And they cheer, happy birthday, Agnes. And she's just dumbfounded. Her eyes pop, her knees shake, her jaw drops. She's like, what is this? They're like, it's a birthday party for you, Agnes. And we got you a cake. She can't believe it. She's got tears running down her face as she's sitting there. And they're like cheering, cut the cake, cut the cake, cut the cake. And she looks at the cake and she says, she says, uh, before we cut the cake, can I, can I just take this home? Can I go show my mom? I live, I live just two streets over. Can I just go show her that, that someone made me a birthday cake? And Harry looks and says, well, it's your cake. Yeah, go ahead. So Agnes picks up the cake and she leaves the little diner. And then there's Tony with a whole bunch of prostitutes sitting there. And they're all looking at him like, okay, now what do we do? Like, the person the party's for is gone. And so Harry says, you started this thing. What do we do now? And he's like, how about we pray? And they all look at him. He's like, let's pray. Let's pray right now. So they all bow their heads, and he begins to pray. He's like, God, we pray for Agnes. We pray for her health. We pray for her family. We pray for her mom. We know she has one. We, we pray for her, and God, we pray for her salvation right now. And then he says, amen. Harry looks over, and he's like, kind of got this like angry thought. He's like, you never told me you were a pastor or a preacher or whatever. So what kind of church do you go to anyways? And Tony says it was just in that moment that like the words just came out of nowhere to him where he said, I go to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three o'clock in the morning. And Harry looks at him and says, no, you don't. There is no church like that. If there was, I would go to it. And I thought, you know what? That's the kind of church I want to be. I want to be the church that just realizes that people matter, that no matter what it is, we're just going to plant seeds and water seeds wherever, wherever it is. We don't know what the end result of Agnes's life story is, but we know there was some watering going on that night, that God was at work in that moment. I don't know the end results of the people that I've seen this week, but I know that God is at work in their lives. I think about Ashley. I know, sorry. How many Ashleys? are coming through that door every week. How many Ashleys are sitting here right now, people who just, just need somebody to show them the love of Jesus, who will say, maybe not tomorrow, but a year from now, two years from now, you, you were the reason that I found Jesus. How many Ashleys are going to be on your path, your journey this week, 
You might not know them. They're in the grocery store. You're like, well, I don't have a lot of money. Kindness is free. Smiles are free. Let's practice. (laughs) You may be watering. You may be planting. You have no idea that people may be able to see Jesus through you. Can't run 100 meters in 10 seconds. Can't solve a Rubik's Cube in 10 seconds. Can't do anything else, but you could change a life in 10 seconds. You know, I think about, I think about as we're about to celebrate communion, I think about this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that Jesus experienced the joy, <laughs> the joy going through the cross. That, there's no joy in that. But because of that, And as he endured that, here's what it says. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's not get into all that because we want to walk with him. He says, let's run with endurance the race that God set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We keep looking to him, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, and says this, because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded shame, and he seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. He had his eyes on you as he hung in that place. There was a joy in that ministry of realizing, you know, I could be changing a life. I will be changing lives as a result of this. And so this morning, you know, we so often we take communion. We think about just remember what Jesus did for you. Remember that his body was broken for you. It's what Jesus told us. But this morning, and I don't want to take away from that at all. This morning as we celebrate communion, I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. But I want you to think, who else did he do this for? Who else around me this week did he do this for? For the followers of Jesus this morning, you know who you are. Jesus said to his disciples then and now, He's like, this is my body, which was broken for you. I did this for you. Put your name in there. This is what I did for you. But if your name fits there, anybody's fits there. And if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're like, what are they doing? I didn't know they served snacks during church. (laughs) You may not know what this is all about, but can I tell you just real quick? That the God of the universe, as you look around and you see every tree and everything, you maybe look at the stars and wonder, is it possible that that all just evolved? Or is there some grand design to this? The God of the universe who created that isn't some God who was just way out there somewhere. It's not where he wanted to be. He's, he's a God who says, I want to know these people that I've created. And there's this thing called sin that gets in the way between us. Every one of us has it. Every one of us has done it. It's this thing that blocks you know, us from having a relationship with God. He's like, I can't, I know they're not going to be able to fix that. They try to fix themselves, but they can't. So I'm going to send my son to give his life for them. Because the wages, the cost of sin is death. So I'm just going to do the death part for them. That they might have life. And he says to you, you know what? I'm not asking you to try and be a better person. Jesus isn't saying to you, I want you to come and follow a bunch of rules or go to a church every Sunday. He said, would you just come and follow me? Would you just come and trust me? This bread represents my body, which was broken for you. And as we take this bread in today, maybe for you, you're simply saying, you know what? Jesus, I, I'm accepting you into my life. I am done with just living for me. I want to follow you. So this morning, we can all take this together with that thought that this bread represents his body, and it was broken 
for you because we couldn't do that. We couldn't, we couldn't pay our own way. He paid it for us. It's amazing for us. It's amazing for others. Would you take a moment to take that with me? Jesus, we thank you that you didn't, you didn't give up halfway, that you saw us. You knew we needed a Savior, that you kept going, that you endured the cross and the pain and the shame of it for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. We do this to remember and honor you today. It says, then he took a cup and he said, this is proof that your sin is washed away. For those of you here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're covered in guilt and shame, he says, this is proof that it is washed away. And that's great news. Let's do that together. Jesus, I thank you for what this represents. You gave us something to remember and remind us of your incredible love and forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving us, for your amazing grace. As we live this week, Jesus, help us to live it with you. Holy Spirit, may we be aware of your promptings in our life. May we be courageous to do something about that in the next 10 seconds, that you might be seen, that you might change lives, that you might be glorified. Love you. It's in your awesome name I pray. Amen. Amen.